Welcome back to the Film Buds Podcast. This is episode number 16, and my name's Henry. And this is Brayden. Uh, and today, uh, unfortunately, it's just the two of us. Um, we, uh, Chloe is somewhat uh, incapacitado. That's not a word, is it? I don't know. I don't speak Spanish. Maybe it is in Spanish. It could be. Um, Spanish, but yeah, she, she's uh, not with us today, but she should be back next week. Uh, and as, as well as some other guests for Blade Runner, so that'll be fun. But um, just the two of us today. Brayden, how you doing? I'm okay. Uh, unfortunately for our listeners, Chloe's not here. Fortunately for me, because I get the big cushy chair today. Oh, that is nice. Yeah. Uh, typically she gets it because she's she's got the, the knee recuperation and the whatnot. But, yeah. Uh, today I, 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 I get to, to sit and sort of let it all hang out afterward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, there uh, you go. But, um, yeah, nice comfy chair. So this, is, this, is, this is what it's like in the comfy chair. Yeah, this is how the guests of the film buds are treated, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, not much going on, honestly, uh, with me just, you know, working a lot. And other than that, not much, you know? So Yeah, um, same old, same old. Yeah. Pretty much same here. I have a job, looking for another job, moving along, trying to get things going. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything that's been happening, really. Um, hmm. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope, not really. Uh, so, so there you go. Fascinating uh, podcasting today. Right. <laughs> uh but yeah, so, uh, oh, and I, I didn't even say what we're going to be talking about today. So um, we're going to be reviewing uh, American Made, and then we're going to be doing a retro review of The Counselor, the Ridley Scott film from a few years ago. <clears throat> then we're also going to be talking about a little bit of news, and we have a bunch of email listener questions, so it's going to be a fun show. Um, so all the usual stuff. Um, well, if there's, I don't know if... In, there's any more in-house stuff to mention, really. Uh, Brandon, you just want to get to the review, you know? Yeah, there's not much that I have to say about anything. I mean, <laughs> uh, not a lot going on recently in my life. And, uh, I mean, you covered all the, the interesting points of, uh, of, of discussion Mm-hmm. With regard to the podcast, so you know, <laughs> super super exciting week yeah, here, yeah, <laughs> in North Carolina. Um, oh, the weather is changing, which is nice. Well, it Slightly. was, it was, <clears throat> it was, it was actually quite pleasant the last few days, and then today it's a little warmer, and then tomorrow it's supposed to be mid eighties. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's a, sort of the same thing every year. I, I don't know why the weather doesn't really break. It doesn't really, bam. Okay, now it's the fall weather. It sort of goes down a little bit, and then it jumps back up for a week or two, mm-hmm. and then it goes down, and it's sort of this, this yo-yo thing with the temperature for a couple of weeks. And, yeah. But uh, do we get daylight savings time? When is daylight savings time? It's coming pretty soon, I think. Is it? Uh, maybe. Or do they keep pushing it back to November or something? Hmm. I don't know. Let us know, listeners, if you know. Yeah. Email us. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be lost. <laughs> yeah, we will forget to set our clocks, yeah. and then everything will be just totally discombobulated. Yeah. Oh, there, there is one um, interesting thing. So Tara, who is the manager or ex-manager, of, former manager, yeah, yeah um, former manager of the coffee shop I work at, about a week ago, she was in the shop. Um, she's now a teacher, 
Oh, sorry, my dog is clung at the door. Um, uh, she asked if I could come sometime in the next couple of months and talk to her students about starting a podcast. Really? Yeah. Oh. So the film buds are going everywhere, you know? It's, uh, <clears throat> it's taken off. It's yeah. It's going places. <laughs> I think these kids are still relatively young, though. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's going to be that. I'm going to be talking to, like, fifth graders or something. It, it's interesting you mention that because <clears throat> there's a podcast I listen to. I probably raved about it before, but... Uh, Freakonomics, which is a Stephen oh, yeah. J. Dubner, mm -hmm. and um, he had one show where it was it was during the pledge drive, of course. So he's on NPR, part of the thing, pledge drive. Yeah, people send in money to support the station, to support the programming, to support all of that. So good cause. And he had a show where he um, sort of showcased or, or discussed. Uh, how his podcast, his particular podcast, has impacted the lives of those around him. And there were two two high school teachers, middle school, high school teachers, I think they were in Arkansas, if I remember correctly, that um, had designed a class. The, the curriculum was entirely based around podcasts, hmm. where they encouraged the students to go and listen to podcasts, and then the, the students would... Yeah, even I think you sit in class and listen to podcasts and then uh, sort of do presentations and, and if they had similar podcasts they would get together in groups and discuss them sort of analytically um, so I thought that was a fascinating idea so yeah so unfortunately podcast in the classroom yeah unfortunately I don't know how much our podcast is affecting people probably <laughs> not, I don't know doesn't seem like the most people I know not probably not, not any kind of academic setting I no. wouldn't, I wouldn't think so no um, but that's okay you know uh, all right well uh, with all that said I guess we can just get right to our review of American made and we have a clip let's take a listen CIA owns this? No. No. Uh, independent aviation consultants. I-A-C. Yeah. You run the company, but after hours, you work for us. Takes pictures? The work is covert. Covert. So uh, anyone finds out about it, uh, family, friends, even uh, Lucy. It's Lucy, right? Yeah, that's right. That'd be a problem. Oh, this is legal? If you're doing it for the good guys? Yeah. <laughs> Just don't get caught. Oh, there goes the train. Um, wait for that to go. Oh, no, I'm recording right now. Oh, <laughs> it's the train. Yeah. <laughs> Behind the scenes of the film butts. Uh, okay, so American Made is uh, directed by... Doug Lyman stars uh, Tom Cruise, Domino Gleason, Sarah Wright, Jesse Plemons, and Caleb Landry Jones. And the IMDb plot synopsis is the story of Bobby Seale, an American pilot who became a drug runner for the CIA in the 1980s in a clandestine operation that would be exposed as the Iran-Contra affair scandal. So, Braden, what do you think of uh, American Made? I thought it was quite good, actually. I really enjoyed it. I thought the the, the story unfolded in an interesting way. I really like the use of uh, sort of the videotapes, and then when it catches up to the present, you see him in the process of making those tapes. You know, it's, yeah. It's, um, I thought it was, 
really worth watching. And I like the fact that, I mean, Tom Cruise, he's Tom Cruise. He's always going to be charismatic, but he wasn't sort of the glitzy, glossy. Mm. He's not the sort of Tom Cruise that you get in all the big action yeah. flicks. Which like Mission Impossible, The Mummy, the whatever. Which know? was nice, because it's nice to see him in a not a huge blockbuster. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, got, <coughs> he's got acting chops. Yeah. He's always had acting chops. But, I mean, yeah, I think he early in his career realized that you know, you want the money, you want the, the stardom, you want the fame. Mm-hmm. You go with the big budget action flicks. Um, but, I mean, you go go back and watch Risky Business, go back and watch The Color of Money, mm-hmm. and he's really good in them. Yeah. Um, so. Um, and Tropic Thunder. And, uh, yeah. Great. Well, he was great in Tropic Thunder. <coughs> that, was, yeah. that was one of his best roles, I think. Yeah. Like that. that was uh, well worth a watch. Yeah. Um, and the story was just fascinating. Those sorts of stories just fascinate me anyways. Yeah. Um, so I, I like all that. I geek out on all that stuff about geopolitics. Me too. And so seeing the interconnection between uh, the Sandinistas in Nicaragua, the Iran-Contra affair, uh, the rise of the cartels, and, well, in Colombia, and then they relocated to Nicaragua and um, all kinds of stuff, but it was just fascinating seeing, seeing the connection between all these things. And, um, th- as a piece, as a film, as a piece of, 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 of sort of, uh, artwork or historical representation, I don't know what necessarily, but it was, um, I thought it was really well done. Mm-hmm. And I thought it told the story without, you know, oh, these are the good guys. Oh, these are the bad guys. Yeah. You know? So, um, it was just really, really awesome to watch. I really enjoyed it thoroughly. Hmm. Oh, well, I should mention, uh, Chloe, when she told me that she couldn't come, she gave me her star rating. Mm-hmm. Um, she gave this one a two. A two? A, a two, yeah, but no, it gets worse. So, um, apparently when she saw the movie, that it's how, that's when she aggravated her knee recently mm-hmm. uh uh surgery and um so she hated that even more so she be that and that's why she isn't here and so she gave it a one sorry someone a stranger just walked up to our door and left sorry it's peculiar <laughs> sorry about that i think we're fine but uh keep an eye out but anyways so she gave this one a two at first, then a one. So this might be her most hated movie. Maybe, maybe not as much as, as a ghost story, but I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not docking stars because because you aggravated your knee injury. That's not. That's <laughs> well, not a legitimate thing well, to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, and she, that's why she couldn't come today. Yeah. So she's angry about that. But anyways, so at least a two. Sure, let's give it a two for her. I mean, if that was the case, I would have docked the Kingsman a couple of stars because, <laughs> because it, the theater messed up my shirt. I mean, oh yeah, true. Um, well, go figure. I don't um, know. That that seems somewhat arbitrary to yeah. me. But well, we'll we'll have to get her thoughts next week. Yeah, I'm sure she's Does she's she dying to let us know. So. Say why she disliked it so much aside no. from the the knee. Nope, just a two. But she'll tell us next week. Okay. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm I. I like the movie. Um, I didn't love it, but I, it started off a little weak for me. I was a little worried. I, th- I think it just the fast kind of kinetic pacing 
and style almost kind of seemed like a gimmick at first. Like, it just kind of jumped from one thing to another. Not much substance, not much going on. Um, but then it started to level out a little bit, and I did really enjoy it. And I thought this is probably one of Tom Cruise's better performances as of late, like you were just saying. Um, and I, I thought it was, in terms of the style, it kind of felt a mix between Scorsese and Soderbergh. Yeah. Like, more Soderbergh for the the cinematography and lighting and some of the story elements, and then Scorsese for the type of characters, you know, where they're kind of getting thrown into crime, but they also have this other good life, and then mm -hmm. money and drugs come into the picture and all that. It, now that you mention it, it does remind me, in a way, of Wolf of Wall Street, sort of. Yeah. Um, obviously very different sort of characters, but... but And um, Below. Yeah, that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was also a very good film. Yeah. So. Um, and, I mean, I think the other kind of small issues I have is I think it's a little long. It started to kind of drag for me towards the end. It, I felt like there was almost a point where it seemed like it was going to wrap up and then it had this kind of an extended amount of time left and I was... What point was it that sort of started dragging? Um, because there were a few places that I thought it dragged a bit, but... Um, I'm trying to think. It was something where the deal, like, between Tom Cruise and the CIA, something happens, and then he has to, he has to go back to meet with Pablo Escobar and all those mm -hmm. other people, and I felt like that took a little long um, to wrap up, but overall, I mean, it's, it's entertaining, it's fun, charming, right. charming at times, and... Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it was that funny. Like, I mean, I laughed a few times, but that's okay. It's, you know, it has enough charm and charisma to um, back that up. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's fun. It's, I don't have a ton to say about it, but, yeah. Well, I just, I, I thought it was interesting just to see all these characters and you kind of, I don't know. I mean, Barry Seal, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? I mean, he's, yeah. he's doing, he's, he's, doing all these sort of errands for the CIA, which the CIA was uh, pursuing some questionable schemes, but they were doing it for what they thought. I mean, you got that with the Donald uh, Gleason's character. Mm -hmm. They were doing what they thought was in the absolute best interest of the country. Mm -hmm. um, that led them down some interesting paths, but then you get Barry Seal, who's recruited in order to, you know, and he's given the whole... Uh, for the good of the country, for the greater good, and he buys into it, and then the first instance he gets, um, well, let me, let me, uh, discuss that further in a moment, but, um, the first instance he gets, he starts, he, 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 he jumps on sort of the opportunism right. thing, and is, you know, hey, sure, I'll run drugs and money for the cartels I don't care it's all mm -hmm. good uh, that actually wasn't part of his, his purview that wasn't part of his mission yeah um, now the interesting thing about that is of course you know he's recruited by the cartels by Escobar and the you know the Medellin cartel basically and... sorry someone we just heard like, was that a scream I don't know <laughs> sorry that wasn't a dog sorry for these weird things happening but it's a very strange day Oh, there it goes again. All right, well, let's not let, let's not pay attention to that. <laughs> Is that your dog? No, she's right. She'd be right outside. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's um, sorry for all that 
disturbances. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's I. The one thing I will say, there it goes again. Um, so I know I was kind of crapping on. <laughs> so, um, I was kind of crapping on Julianne more last week. And I know Brayden, you really like her, and I know Chloe really likes Domino Gleason. Mm-hmm. I am not crazy about him. No, no. Oh, he comes off so many times as just being very artificial to me. Really? Yeah, he's given a couple performances that I like, like uh, Ex Machina. And maybe one or two others, but lots I of times. I loved him in Ex Machina. I thought he was really spectacular in The Revenant as well. So. I liked him in The Revenant, um, but something about him, I don't know, it comes across as kind of fake. But I mean, he, I don't think he was terrible in this, but he kind of stuck out to me. But um, yeah, I did really like Tom Cruise, and I liked all the aviation sequences, and um, especially the one where he first starts dealing um, drugs with uh, Escobar. And he has to go off. He has to take off um, from that really short um, little tiny runway on top of a mountain, basically. Yeah, and all the um, precursor to that, where he's having to put all the drugs on the plane and um, talk about weight and try and have this all these communication failures. I, I really liked all of that. And so, anytime that was happening, I was in. And um, really, anytime Tom Cruise was just being this ridiculous silly man <laughs> for lack of a better term um i really enjoyed it and um but i mean I, I think that especially in terms of the length um and how much it covers it did feel like it lacked some substance especially compared to something like the wolf of wall street um i mean i think there is some commentary there but not nearly as much as maybe it could have uh did you find that or no well i think with the Wolf of Wall Street, there seemed to be not necessarily an agenda, but there was very definitely sort of a moral. Uh, it was a moral tale. There was a morality to it. You know, this is this is terrible, and what these guys did was awful. And you know, they get to come up, and they have to serve their penance and so forth. Um, whereas, Ooh, sorry about that. Whoops, sorry. Um, Whereas American Made, it doesn't seem to be, you know, is this right, is this wrong? I mean, obviously some of the things that Barry Seal did were wrong, but there's no... The film leaves you to, to decide whether or not a lot of what he did was was wrong. Right. Whether, in fact, it was immoral, some of the things that he was doing, the extent of that immorality where the blame lies was it barry seal himself was it was it uh cia for for giving him this opportunity and then just releasing him into the wild Mm -hmm. um so it never really says uh this is good this is bad um it leaves you to make those decisions yourself Mm -hmm. um which i like it doesn't sort of railroad you into yeah one thing yeah i would i would agree into um pardon into one conclusion mm-hmm. shall we say but um and i like how it just sort of unfolds at its own pace um it does have quite a kinetic pace like yeah. i mentioned earlier yeah yeah um, and it covers a lot of ground mm-hmm. you know for the amount of runtime that it has so it does it does i mean it's what just around two hours just under two hours yeah 
and it does cover a heck of a lot of ground. Um, and it's really sad seeing the uh, the demise of this fellow. I mean, it's, yeah. it's really, really fascinating. You know, he, he seems to walk, it's almost like he's Teflon. Like, he just walks away from everything unscathed, but um, if karma finally, sort of finally catches up to him in the end. Mm -hmm. um, and it's sad to watch it because he knows, he knows it's coming for him. He just doesn't know when. He just doesn't know when, yeah. but he knows it's going, he doesn't, the, the interesting thing about it, I guess, uh, what really fascinates me about it is the fact that he decides not to run. Yeah. And he just continues, you know, doing his community service until the cartel hitman shows up. Mm -hmm. And so, um, he himself, Barry Seal himself, was such an interesting character, I guess. Now, I, I mean, I actually kind of want to go read the book. I would, I would as well, yeah. Um, but he himself is such a, an interesting character. He's portrayed so well by Tom Cruise in this. Mm -hmm. And, uh, again, all the geopolitics stuff and just how he got swept up in, in events so much larger than, than himself. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's but, good. Uh, I really enjoyed that about the film. Yeah, me too. So... <clears throat> I really liked anything dealing with the hiding or stashing of money. His all the money he got, like in his house, and you know, in the, like her his wife's uh, shoe and hat uh, bags, and yeah. the yeah. Uh, barn or the shed out back. Yeah, you know, and all that was stuff was he great. Had, like coal storage, and it was just packed with money. Mm -hmm. And then he had a bunch of suitcases buried in his backyard, and then he had something like ninety pounds of gold in his house. Yeah, and uh, apparently Mena, Arkansas, which is where he was relocated, mm -hmm. uh, following some 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 issues uh, in Louisiana. Um, he, the entire town was revitalized essentially by Barry Seal. Yeah, uh, and he, he got his he got to have the entire main bank vault. Yeah, well, that was the funny thing about it is if you look at it, they show the one FBI agent who's going down. You know, he sniffs out Barry Seal. He says, oh, there he is down. I, okay, I've, I'm figuring this out. And he follows the financials. And he does, you know, he, he does this awesome job of putting all these things together. And then he goes, the FBI agent goes down to meet Arkansas, and he stands on Main Street. And it's like, what, five or six banks? Yeah. And they were all almost exclusively... Uh, servicing Barry Seal. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> you know, and then, of course, he, whatever other holdings he had, all the money he had stashed away in his house and whatever mm. he may have had overseas, I don't know. I don't know if that was the big thing then putting all the money in Cayman accounts and whatnot. But, mm. uh, but it was just, it, it was funny how flush with cash this guy was. Yeah. And it is like the Wolf of Wall Street in that way. Yeah. I think, you know, where he just has all this money he has no idea what to do with, you know. Oh, and there's that line that Tom Cruise is saying where he's like, you know, I never thought that cash, you know, incoming cash and where to put it would be an issue. Yeah. Or no one really thinks that. Like, okay, where can I literally put all of this cash? Yeah. I have no idea, you know. So I mean, that was a, great. Yeah, he had, a, I guess, a hangar at one point, and they had giant suitcases full of cash just sitting mm -hmm. in the hangar. I mean, that's what, that's what, with his old brother-in-law, that's what, uh, 
cause the issues, I guess. So. Yeah. Did you, I mean, what did you think of the performances other than Cruz? I mean, they weren't bad. They weren't really... They're just, eh. They were just there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so many of the other characters, uh, other than Donald Gleason and uh, the wife, you don't see them really much at all. Yeah. Uh, the other pilots that he ends up working with are, you know, such marginal characters, it seems. And there's really nobody else who is prominent or has any kind of major role. You, there's mm-hmm. Tom Cruise, there's the wife, there's Donald Gleason. I forget the actress but, who plays the wife. Uh, Sarah Wright. Sarah Wright. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then there's Caleb Landry Jones, who's JB. Right. The, 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 the twerpy redneck. Bro, yeah, brother. Brother-in-law. Um, right. I really like the what happens to his character. Like, that scene, that was a really... I mean, not in terms of me enjoying it, but like the, no, how, how the scene plays out, you yeah. know? I, I thought they did a great job of of, of uh, depicting that. Yeah. I mean, there's really no other way to put it other than tragic comic. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> and then what uh, Barry Seal, or is it Bobby, Bobby Seal, Barry Seal? Barry I think it's Seal. Barry Seal? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, typo. Sorry about that. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, and then I like what he does to hide it, you know, in the woods and yeah. all that stuff. And so it just gets more and more ridiculous. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's... And, uh, well, do you like some of Doug Lyman's other films? Like he did The Bourne Identity, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Um, I do. Um, he did the first... Just the first. Bourne... I thought it was Paul Greengrass that did one of those. He did... Greengrass did two and three. He did two and three, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, the first one, for me, honestly, the first one still stands out. I think it's the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second and third are both also quite good. Yeah. I mean, and I, I like Paul Greengrass a lot. I really like the, the Green Zone. Uh, I really like Captain Phillips. Um, and he also did Mr. and Mrs. Smith, by the way. Lyman? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that I could do without. But the Bourne <laughs> film was good. And Love Edge of Tomorrow was, was awesome. quite good. Yeah. I was blown away by it. I, was, I thought, oh, it was a science fiction Groundhog Day. It was mm-hmm. probably you know, what everybody thought. Of it. Oh, it's a science fiction Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. But I thought the way in which they, they explain the loop, the character development, Emily Blunt, awesome, always good. Love her. Amazing Sicario. Everybody should go watch Sicario. <laughs> I can't read about it enough. Um, but it was just a, a really remarkable, one of the most uh, sort of innovative science fiction films I've seen in a few years. Yeah. Um, and, uh, this is coming from a guy who, who generally likes some more geeky, geek out, uh, dystopian future type things like, uh, Ex Machina, uh, the original Blade Runner, that kind of stuff. And so, yeah. uh, that I liked Edge of Tomorrow, which is more action oriented. You know, uh, science fiction film says a lot about it, I think. But yeah, um, but it's uh, I like I like Lyman. I th- I think he does a really spectacular job with this with this particular film and with the subject matter. Yeah. Um. So it's it's interesting to see 
the sort of the range that he has going from Born to Edge of Tomorrow to to this. Is mm-hmm. he going to be doing the next Edge of Tomorrow as well? Or yeah, he's doing that. Too, okay, so. good. Okay, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but uh, high hopes because I think so far he's done some really spectacular stuff. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm about the same. But um, all right. Well, uh, I'm trying to think if there's some. So, I mean, not a whole lot to say that hasn't been said, I think. Um, I'm just curious why Chloe despised it so much. Yeah. She probably, I don't know, that was poor taste or boring or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm, I've am i got a more personal uh, interest in the film mm-hmm. or subjective interest in the film. But even so, I mean, two stars seems yeah. particularly harsh. Yeah. Well, we... We just spend the rest of the show speculating wildly about it. If Good. You <laughs> Good. I don't know if anybody would want to hear that. Yeah. She could just come on and tell us next week. Yeah. Which, and uh, she's probably know. listening right now. And so. <laughs> um, it cause all sorts of controversies. Yeah. With her and so. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, all right. Well, anything else you want to mention about American Made? No, no. I thought it was overall a solid film. I mean, again, I don't know if it's. If it's a classic, but it's something that I, I definitely uh, would be willing to watch again a few times. Yeah, again, me too. And I know it's highly subjective for me because, as I said, all of the uh, sort of geopolitical stuff involved in it is is sort of my bailiwick. It's uh, what I have my advanced degrees in, so there you go. But, yeah. But, um, biased, Brandon. I know. I'm horribly biased. <laughs> Come on. I will say at least, though... <clears throat> That I'm not docking points because I smacked my knee on it. <laughs> so, uh, right. But, um, no, I mean, even so, even setting aside my bias, even in setting aside my preference and my personal interest, and I think the film is really well done. I think the, uh, the performances are good. Tom Cruise's obviously is a standout, but I think the other supporting performances are good, even though a lot of the characters are relatively sort of through. That's the other weird thing about it, Right. I'll just say that the other main characters in the film, so you've got Tom Cruise, you've got uh, his wife, played by Sarah Wright, you've got the Schaefer character, who's the C- his CIA handler, mm-hmm. played by Donald Gleason. Those are, that's sort of the main triumvirate. There's really nobody else involved in it, but the only other characters who are sort of main recurring characters can you guess who I'm thinking of here? Uh, the, like, Escobar? Jim? Yeah, right? The Medellin cartel, the three guys who were the head of the Medellin cartel, which was yeah. Escobar, some other fellow Ochoa, and I can't remember the third now. Yeah, me neither. But uh, it's just so funny that, that the Medellin cartel is, you know, there's Tom Cruise and his wife <laughs> go down and party with the Medellin cartel. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there's a whole, it's just, it's surreal. Yeah, for sure. Watching that. But yeah, so, but um, all of the supporting actors and actresses they have in this are just awesome. Yeah. Really, really, really good performances. Again, nothing, I don't know if it's anything just really outstanding stellar, but they're all solid performances. Uh, they play the characters well. There's no goofy artifice involved with it. They don't ham it up. They don't, you know... Look at me, I'm in a movie. Woo, Tom Cruise, woo, you know. And, and um, Tom Cruise is charismatic, but at the same time, 
he he portrays Barry Seal as sort of um, conflicted. Yeah. And um, I mean, there's a, a lot of vulnerabilities. And yeah, I mean, there's a goofiness, but there's also a confidence there yeah. when he's doing what he's doing, um, or when he's flying. There's mm-hmm. a confidence, and then other times he's just completely kind of aloof. And so yeah, he, I mean, he, he gives a good performance for yeah. sure. Yeah. So. All right. Well, uh, I'll say I'll give it a four out of five. Yeah. For, same for me. Four yeah. out of five. Two for Chloe. <laughs> a shadow two. I don't. I don't even understand that. Yeah. Whatever. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um. All right. Well, uh, with that done, we can move on to uh, our retro review of Ridley Scott's The Counselor, and we've got a clip for this one as well. Let's take a listen. Where do you think this is going, me, Capitan? Uh, this. Yes. <laughs> I can't really take your question seriously. Uh, it's going where it's going. Well, either you think it's all going to work out or you don't want to think about it at all. Because the third alternative is unacceptable? Yes. Greed really takes you to the edge, doesn't it? Mm. That's not what greed does. That's what greed is. When the axe comes through the door, I'll already be gone, you know that. That's fair enough. Okay, Uh, so The Counselor was released in 2013 and was uh, directed by Ridley Scott, stars Michael Fassbender, Cameron Diaz, Brad Pitt, Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem and the IMDB plot synopsis is a lawyer finds himself in over his head when he gets involved in drug trafficking um and so this one give you a little background uh was it was written by the legendary novelist Cormac McCarthy it was just a original script um and it was met, met with mixed reviews um some it was very polar i should say i mean some people absolutely loved it others were very very disappointed especially with the cast uh and crew involved um and it i don't think it did that well financially either so it was kind of an odd an odd film for ridley scott and and i saw um Looking at rotten tomatoes i think the grosses were reported as 14 million something yeah which is crazy for pretty terrible when you look at the cast and when you look at the cast and you look at the star power involved mm-hmm. uh, in making the film. Yeah. So. Um, and so it, unfortunately, Chloe, um, she really loves the counselor. Um, I don't understand her taste in film. I, it's confusing. I, I love it. Well, I love it too. So, uh, we might have another kind of, uh, bipolar, uh, view of, another film like we seem to always have <laughs> um but so for me i i can understand why people dislike it i know it's very much a talky um so to speak and um it feels and sounds very written like it's the a lot of the lines feel like lines of dialogue and or something that i have a novel which would make sense for cormac mccarthy but i i am I love the I love the writing. I love the cast, and I think uh, Cameron Diaz in particular is fantastic. I think it looks great. 
Um, and I just love all the ideas that it, um, are evoked from it. And yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoy it. I think it's very underrated. I can't see any of that. I've seen it three times now. Mm. And I keep wanting to like it. Uh, I generally like most of uh, Ridley Scott's opus. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, now everybody knows my, my unabashed love for, for the director's cut of Blade Runner. Uh, but, I, mean, I don't even, think we... I have not heard that, so it's good you, you mentioned that. Even that aside, <laughs> um, Alien... Love it. Black Hawk Down... Amazing, right? Mm-hmm. So he's got some really spectacular work. Um, but Prometheus. Prometheus. Yeah. I did like it, although, you know, a lot of people... Oh, people are stupid. Engineers, what the hell? Um, I wanted to like this so much, and particularly Cormac McCarthy coming off of No Country for Old Men, and then, you know, his novels are, are so strong. I like his very sparse prose. Uh, he wrote The Road. Um, no Country for Old Men. He, yeah, well. he wrote he wrote No Country, the source material for No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to like this so much, so badly. And it was just, it was such a letdown. In, in what way? Such a tremendous letdown. <sighs> oh, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, see, that's, a, that's the confusing thing about it. Is if you look at it from a technical point of view, the cinematography is great. The direction is great. The pacing is great. The performances are spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, all of them: Brad Pitt, Javier Bardem, Michael Fassbender, Penelope Cruz. Like, yeah. All this, of them spectacular. Yeah. The character Brad Pitt, Pitt, the <laughs> Pitt, uh, plays in this is. I really want to see him do more of this type of role. Well, I mean, it's, you know? it reminds me a lot of of his character in Ocean's Eleven, hmm. and also to an extent of. Um, God, I can't remember the character's name, but the famous one, Fight Club. Oh, yeah. Tyler, uh... Tyler Durden. Yeah. Tyler Durden, thank you. Um, But... (sighs) The story is so frustratingly difficult to follow. And I've read some discussion about it that says that Corey McCarthy was trying to allow the audience to infer the connections. And I I don't like when a director beats you over the head with obvious stuff. Yeah. Like That's, mother. Like mother, exactly. Or, uh, I was just gonna say like ghost mother. story. You know, we've had these yeah. Those I films. like a little room for inference. I love Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. Mm. And I'm probably one of the few people out there who understood most of the plot of what was going on in Tinker Taylor's Soldier yeah. Spy. I'm Do not, not tooting my heart. I'm just saying I pay attention to stories. I like mm-hmm. them. I like inference. I like having to sort of puzzle things out. But this one, even after repeated watchings, I had to go to uh, various uh, blogs and critical um, discussions to try to figure out what all was going on in this. But is, is it such an issue that you I mean, I'd say the majority of films that I watch, there's plenty of holes, but I just tend to pay attention to other things. Like, I mean, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you all the stuff that happens in this or why, but I still find it to be very compelling. Well, I mean, it's, it's, 
it gives you these breadcrumbs and leaves you to follow them, but the breadcrumbs are so few and far between. And you get you get lost finding the path between one breadcrumb and the next by all this sort of stultifying dialogue. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first half of the film, it's mostly just sort of very raunchy, sexually charged discussion. Mm -hmm. It's Penelope Cruz, Michael Fassbender in bed talking dirty to one another. And then Javier Bardem at his grill talking about uh, women and when they want to have sex you, this way, you free like train. And, and, what do you, you think know. of that uh, uh, golf course scene? Oh, with the car. Good God. Pretty great. <laughs> no, thank you. I mean, just, just, just the, the, the way in which the wording, the, I mean, Corey McCarthy is an amazing wordsmith. Yes. But can't he like just, just pull it back, tone it back a bit. Mm -hmm. And, but I mean, that's the thing is the first half of the film, it's all, you don't really know what's going on. There's a motorcyclist and his mother's in prison and Michael Fassbender is her attorney. And then there's a bunch of sexy talk and some sexy talk and some sexy talk. And you can see the kid on the motorcycle get his head cut off. And then all of a sudden the cartel wants everybody dead. Yeah. No, one thing I will mention that I love in this film in t terms of it, how effective it is and it's how it's shot is the violence. The violence is really, it's short, but it's really intense. Like the scene with Brad Pitt and the... The bolita. The, the bolita and his head. Yeah. And then the, when you see the, um, the guy hanging the wire for the motorcycle, like all that is great, I think. And yeah. so, yeah, but go on. I, you know, it is what it is, but, um, oh, the mailman, the mail fellow. Yeah. Um, the dialogue again, the dialogue I just found so stultifying and, 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 and how the story unfolds is so confusing. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, I couldn't become really all that invested in it because Michael Fassbender's character is a good guy, but everybody else is just such a, a horrible reprobate. Yeah. Uh, Brad Pitt is terrible. Uh, Javier Bardem is a terrible guy. And that's the other thing is there's no, there's no foreshadowing as to Cameron Diaz's involvement in all of this. Well, I think she's kind of overseeing everything. I think she's kind of the she the, is the queen but bee. She's not. I mean, like she, these three guys go in on, I guess, what it was a drug. I still don't even know what they were involved in. I mean, it's, I think in a way that's kind of the point, which, I mean, I kind of like is. And the guy, the guy, <clears throat> the wire man, right? Yeah. Where does he fit into all this? I mean, I think he he's just. He goes down, he kills the courier, he takes the money, and then he gets the truck. I mean, I think he's, he's he just a hired, hired gun, you know. By whom? Probably by someone under Cameron Diaz, okay. or, or Cameron Diaz herself. You know, okay. I mean, because she has Cameron doesn't Cameron Diaz has a conversation with, um, the, um, him and his partner when they're watching the motorcycle driver at a restaurant, and so she's talking to them. Okay. Yeah. Was that her? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, I mean, I I know. 
I can agree. I don't think all the parts really fit together in the most clean way, but I, I kind of like that. I like knowing that or wondering how Cameron Diaz can be so, have so much weight and power within this world. And you never really know who to trust. Um, well, that's the thing is she and, came out of nowhere and sort of blindsided all of them. Yeah. And I think that, I think, I think that was kind of, in a sense, maybe what Cormac McCarthy was getting at is because the first half of the film, it's all sort of sexy talk stuff, except for Brad Pitt, which is interesting. I'll return to that in a second. But, you know, Fassbender, who's willing to sacrifice himself for for his the love of his life, Penelope Cruz, and then Javier Bardem, who's so infatuated with Cameron Diaz. Uh, and for the two of them... Uh, essentially, they, you know, it's women end up being their downfall, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Cameron Diaz directly for Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz sort of indirectly for Michael Fassbender. Mm -hmm. And then you get Brad Pitt, who seems sort of totally aloof of the whole thing, and then he gets seduced at the end of the film by Marjorie Terrell. Uh, <laughs> all right, Game yeah. Game of Thrones nerds out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then his she gets all the, the, the information necessary to for Cameron Diaz to go in and plunder his accounts. And so things sort of, when I, at the end of the film, things sort of started falling in places. And yeah, I figured, you know, Cameron Diaz, okay, she masterminded the whole thing, but I didn't understand what were these guys involved in? Why were they implicated in, in, in this? Well, I mean, I think, I mean, Michael Fassbender, I think, is trying to create a better life for himself and his wife, right? You know, I mean, by, and it, by being involved in some sort of illicit, well, I think it was well, some sort of drug. Uh, yeah, and so I mean, so he invests in this club with Javier Bardem, mm -hmm. right? And but then Javier Bardem is connected to um, Cameron Diaz, and I'm sure that's where he's getting a lot of the money from. And so then, and she's connected to all these um, drug, all this drug trafficking with the cartel, and um, you know, kidnapping, whatever. And so I think it's he, um, Michael Fassbender, just wants to get some money for the, the right reasons, but then can't get himself out once he realizes how fucked up this. Well, he's that's world the other is. thing I don't get is he's always throughout the whole film they allude to him having financial problems, right? Financial difficulties. Yeah. He's oh, I need money, quick financial financial problems, and Reiner, Reiner, Javier Bardem's character comes along, I know how difficult it is to have financial problems, I'll help you out. And, um, you know, I wish I had his kind of financial problems, because he's flying to Amsterdam and buying diamonds for his girlfriend. Right. How's that, I don't, where's the financial problem there? Yeah. And then you see his house, which is this beautiful, very sort of modern yeah. All this wonderful furniture, and there he is making pancakes and doing something in his kitchen. I don't know, making frittata or something, right? Frittata, yeah. <laughs> and his kitchen is wonderful and, and beautifully appointed, and he's got all these modern, shiny chrome appliances and everything. And I'm just thinking, and you're having financial Well, problems? I think that's, in a way, it could be that he, he is having financial problems, but he's just not being sensible about it, which is exactly what gets him into all this mess, yeah. you know, and then he has to find his way out and he doesn't know who, who he can trust aside from his wife. And then, Oh, his 
since you fucked up, your wife is gone. Yeah, you know? like they pinched her and not him, and maybe it was intentional that they got her just because the, they knew the type of person he was, yeah. so decided to dick him over mm-hmm. um, by killing his wife and yeah. forcing him to live with that loss. <clears throat> Uh, and having to live with the guilt because of the decisions he made, but I mean that's the thing that I don't I, I, I don't get is what how, again how were they implicated in all of this were they the ones that invested in some large drug shipment that was supposed to be sold and then the cut of the profits given back to the cartel and then when the shipment was stolen essentially by Cameron Diaz mm-hmm. and then I guess ultimately what it was was. She sold the shipment back to them and then got all the financial information, at least for Javier Bardem and, and Brad Pitt. Yeah. And then just plundered that. Yeah. It's, and I then mean, just gave like all that. that money and the drugs back to the cartel and then kept what she took from these dipshits. Yeah. That she, that she uh, snookered. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that's as far as I can figure out, that's what it was. Yeah. I mean... Uh, but again, why... What were these guys involved in? How were they implicated in in the the loss of all this stuff? I mean, if this stuff disappeared, why are they? I don't know. I guess why are they held responsible? But they, you know, if the cartel is as ruthless as they say they are, then I think yeah. I mean, I think that some of it they they know things that Cameron Diaz does not want them to know, and so they're they're bye bye. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, for me, as with a lot of these films, it. The, the plot doesn't really, unless it's just so absurd that I can't get any handle on it, it doesn't really bother me. Like, I've seen it, I don't know, four or five times now, probably. Oh, have you seen the extended cut? That's I watched that last night. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what was the extra footage in that one? I've seen that one so many more times, I would not be able to tell you. But I know, I think it's a lot of the stuff with the, the biker. There's some, there's some scenes oh. with the biker. Like when he's buying dog food. Oh, the, that that bit that was <laughs> yeah. confusing as hell. And he's just kind of a grotesque guy. Oh, yeah, know? he's terrible. He's a terrible guy. <clears throat> yeah. Um. But. Well, uh, for me, I mean, I just I I really like the story. I like the world that it's in. Cameron Diaz is amazing, and th- she needs to do more roles like this. She's been in nothing like this before or since. Well, and then she goes and does like sex tape. And all these other my, things. My favorite thing that she's done is still being John Malkovich. Yeah. Um, talk about something outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Um, and so I really wish she would do more roles like this. Um, but I think she's great. Fastbender's great. Every, everyone is really. I like how just kind of absurd Javier Bardem is. Like he's always just kind of giggling at himself and um, is so full of his own. Um, self-worth although he doesn't really have much because it's mostly because of cameron diaz that he's yeah. where he is you know well, is that him or is that his character that's a bully like that or is he just intim- is it just sort of intimated that he's coked up all the time <laughs> probably a little bit of both okay. you know um but and i i think it's the clip that i'm going to play for the the show um where he's saying um near the end of the film where he's talking to cameron diaz kind of about their fate and she says that um, when the axe goes through the, through the door, you know I'll be gone already. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's fair. And so he realizes at a certain point, I know I've basically am in this great position because of you, but 
I can't do anything about it now because I'm so far in that. Oh, is that what it is? Because I got the impression, in a way, that Cameron Diaz was sort of... Uh, her character was remarkably intelligent, but kind of plain... Uh, not necessarily a bimbo, but sort of a... I don't know. I don't know what, what the, the correct term would be here. In, wait, in, in that scene or just in general? Just in general. She was, she was there, uh, not because she had any actual connections to cartels or anything like that. Mm -hmm. She just, she happened to cross this <clears throat> minor guy, saw an opportunity, and then played him for a fool, basically. Yeah. Uh, and so she masterminded this whole double cross thing, but, um, she did it when the opportunity arose and it wasn't, it wasn't like she pulled Reiner into this. I think they just happened to meet and then she saw this opportunity right. because this guy is such an idiot, an idiot basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 again, it's hard to tell where, how do, where do all these connections, where do they overlap? Mm -hmm. Why do they overlap? How do they overlap? Um, and it just, it just, it, it was so very confusing. And I think even setting that aside, I can, I can deal, I can cope with a certain amount of confusion with regard to the characters and the plot. But so much of the dialogue I just found to be so stultifying. Even the sexy stuff aside, mm -hmm. the speech from the from the cartel boss. I mean, over the phone. Yeah, I like. You're talking to Michael Fassbender. I, I agree, it's over the top, but I like it. It's so overwrought. Yeah, I mean, for me, like uh, usually when people there's dialogue like this, I kind of cringe edit how over the top and written it feels but for some reason maybe just because i've seen it so many times now i've gotten used to it but i really like the writing for the most part and i um especially with the delivery of the or the performances of the actors and the story itself i just kind of kind of get into it and enjoy it um or take it for what it is especially since it is so different from what you would expect yeah um and by i i can un completely understand why people would not like that um, and especially since I think this one had like a, a D my, a D or a D minus cinema score rating, you know, the audience rating. And so clearly, and if you see like the reviews on Amazon, it's at like two out of five or one and a half out of five. The like, Rotten Tomatoes has a 35% critic yeah. sort of meta review rating and, uh, and so a lot of people, 23% audience rating. Yeah. So a lot of people did not like it, which is fine. Um, but I also do like it. It is almost structured in terms of the. Um, pacing almost kind of like a play because like scenes will go on for 10 minutes just a dialogue between two characters mm -hmm. which I usually I mean I, I enjoy for the most part like the scene between Fassbender and Brad Pitt in the bar well that I mean that I, I don't mind at all I like dialogue when it's interesting and snappy but this just seems so it wasn't it wasn't even really like dialogue most of the time it turned into sort of monologues mm -hmm. again the cartel boss and his discussion with Michael Fassbender. And first of all, I mean, 
what cartel boss have you ever seen that sits around in like tailored three piece suits drinking tea out of his 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 uh pewter samovar you know i mean it's just so really i mean it, i don't know um i mean for me i mean a lot of it feels over the top but it's almost kind of aware of that like i, I mean i do really like all of the the costume design i think the someone like cameron diaz and brad pitt how they look are great i think yeah. you know Javier Bardem. Yeah, oh, yeah, like the shirts. He's he, so totally over the top. You know, the, his shirts and his well, hair. Is all, and all I'm pretty that. sure all of his shirts were, were Versace. Yeah, yeah, I think right. he had mentioned that, yeah. Uh, and I loved how she has cheetahs. I love that. It's ridiculous, yeah. but I love I love that. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, I, I understand why people dislike it, but for me, I, I love the characters and the world, and um, it looks fantastic. Uh, the score by Daniel Pemberton, who I've mentioned a few times, it's it's quite good. Like he did Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. score for Steve Jobs, Man from Uncle, right? King Arthur, um, and he's done some other ones as well. But I really like his style, and um, it's directed quite well. And yeah, I mean, see, that's the thing is, is technically it's all good. And it, I mean, the, obviously the writing is better than nine tenths of the stuff that's out there. Yeah, but it just. <sighs> The writing, it's so, it's so much artifice. It's so overwrought. Mm-hmm. It's, it almost pushes you away. Uh, and again, the performances, how it's shot, everything technically is just so magnificent. And yet the characters are so terrible. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot but of... Is that, is that such a bad thing? I mean, look at Goodfellas. Yeah, that's true. Or, I mean, well, no country for old men. Or, well, I guess well, they're more well, good characters. Let me, let me, Goodfellas, these guys were all terrible, but, but you still saw them as human, right? Yeah. They, they had little, I mean, they would cry and they would, you know, fight and they would squabble and they had their problems and they were still, in a sense, human. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this, Everything is so slick. Everyone is so slick. And other than Michael Fassbender, all of them are just kind of like, you know, oh, the cartel's coming after me. And they're all kind of like, oh, okay. Oh, the cartel's coming. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Kind of figured that might happen. All right. Yeah. You know, and Brad Pitt's like, okay, I'll just drop everything and go. Yeah. And, you know, Javier Bardem's kind of like, you know, he doesn't seem, he doesn't seem to process with him. He doesn't seem to care. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's not other than again other than Michael Fassbender, none of the characters are really human, and he's even barely so. And you don't even really see that until they actually catch Penelope Cruz, and then all of a sudden he turns into a blubbering idiot. Mm-hmm. Before that, he's just kind of like, "I love you, I love you, I love you," mm-hmm. but it just he all seems so artificial. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to... I understand that the characters are supposed to be terrible, but there's no... There's an almost intentional total lack of humanity to them. Hmm. Which is, in, in an interesting sense, what you see sort of in No Country for Old Men as well. Yeah. I mean, well, I think in a way that's kind of the point of the film is there's... You see how there's just no humanity in this world. Someone who comes... Who has some decency comes into a world where there's no morals or ethics or mercy at all 
mm. you know. But yeah. So it's just like you go into this world and you're a decent human being and you're fucked. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Then you just fodder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, they are all quite over the top most of the time. So I, I can see that. What you mean? Yeah. So, um, oh, and I really like the gunfight on the highway. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The sound of the guns Where, is the, amazing. The sewage truck. The yeah. Septic truck. Yeah. Like the the sound of the guns and all of that is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, yeah, I mentioned the 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 beheading of both Brad Pitt and the motor, motorcycle guy, and then um, there might be one more, but. And then I do like the final scene with Cameron Diaz and where she's kind of monologuing, as you were saying. And yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I, I love it. But, um, uh, and we'll have to get Chloe's thoughts on it next week, but apparently she loves it. So, um, there you go. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, um, I think we actually talked more about that movie than the <laughs> American made, but that's okay. Um, Okay, well, uh, any other thoughts on The Counselor? No. I mean, that's that's about it for me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what more to add. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah, well, we, we, we talked a lot about it, so. All right, well, it's a it's a five for me. I, I love it, so. I, I got to go two. Two. Yeah, and we'll let's give it a seventeen out of two for Chloe, just because I feel like that's what she would do. Um, and if I'm wrong, okay. Um, if I'm wrong, then she can correct us next week. So, all right. Well, let's get on to a little bit of news. Um, not much to talk about this week, but one thing that I just saw today actually was uh, Jason Blum, who's the who runs Blumhouse Pictures or Productions, um, which some of those indie horror films like Get Out was one of the most recent ones um, which was very well received he was in an interview recently and he was saying uh, he couldn't figure out why the Academy um, oops sorry text message uh, overlooks um, horror films so much at the Oscars um, which is an interesting question I thought because, I mean, it doesn't really make that much sense when you look at something like It Follows or mm-hmm. The Babadook, which are so well-received, at least critically, yeah. but that they're just not well, at all. You know, I mean, this is, again, uh, we had a listener who asked a couple of weeks back, you know, what are some of the, the, the uh, what are some older horror films to really sort of sink your teeth into if you want to see sort of the lineage <clears throat> of horror films and I'm just thinking those Roman Clancy films I mentioned I don't think they got any Oscars right uh, did the Exorcist fact check that Exorcist I don't think so hmm. it may have gotten Oscar nods but I don't know that it it it, it, it won anything yeah or it, I mean if, if horror films do win it's never for anything like writing direction best best picture obviously it's always for, for sort of technical awards. Yeah. Or it would be, I would suspect that it would be for technical awards. I mean, very much the same thing with, you could say very much the same thing with science fiction films. Um, Although I'd say recently we've been getting, like if you look at Gravity, Martian, mm-hmm. and then Mad Max Fear Road isn't oh, the sci-fi. But, oh, and yeah, and Arrival. Arrival? Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, I'd say sci-fi is definitely getting a bigger bump at the Oscars now. Yeah. But I, I, think I think Ex Machina got some... 
It got some, yeah, it didn't get a back but they were picture, but technical, it, they were technical awards, yeah. Yeah, um, but with horror, aren't many that, I mean, it'll be curious to see how Get Out does, because it's at like a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, like people loved it. Well, I think, um, and so for me, I don't know, this may be too reductionist, but for me at least, it strikes me that horror films are too visceral. Yeah, that, that's what uh, the guy was saying, it's like, but the... But if you look at something like, like The Revenant, mm-hmm. The Revenant is incredibly violent, that's, which I, yeah, that's I just a very visceral film. watched last night, and it got a Best Picture um, yeah, n- nomination. That's true. That is a, that is a remarkable and then visceral film. We're going to be you know, about to watch Blade Runner 2049, which has been getting so well received, and that's R-rated and ha- apparently has some brutal violence in it. So Yeah. Yeah, uh, which is to say that, that there might be some visceral aspects to some of these films, but uh, ultimately, I think what it what it boils down to is that the Academy is trying to maintain film, maintain the notion of film as an art form, right? Rather than its entertainment. Where and so again, you've got this dichotomy: entertainment is visceral, art is cerebral. And so if you're looking at film as an art form, you want films that obviously are going to be a little more cerebral, you know, an interesting story or a true life historical analysis thing, you know, science fiction even fits into that mold because it's, you know, advances in technology and how this affects the human, uh, the human condition and quandaries about what is life and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas, um, Horror films rely on that visceral reaction, that fear. Yeah. You know, anxiety, fear, trepidation. Um, and so that could be it. But, I mean, again, you sort of throw a wrench into the works there with The Revenant. Mm-hmm. Um, Jaws. Yeah. Also visceral. Not a horror film, but, again, it re- relies on visceral reaction. Oh, and 12 Years a Slave, too. Yeah. Look at that, yeah. Well. Although that's such a... You know, true story. That's that's the thing is that's yeah. that's a historical representation of a really horrible, yeah, horrible part of of, of American and overall human history. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, and also, if you look at something like in terms of how well these movies are doing, Get Out did really well, and then It is like it's now it's now the really highest well. grossing horror yeah. film of all time. Like it passed The Exorcist and. It's um, number one in the box office right now, isn't it? I think um, something top beat it. Well, I thought I thought what it was is the, f- the first week it was out, it was top, and then Kingsman came out the King- second week. I think Kingsman. Kingsman beat it for that one week, but I think Kingsman dropped off precipitously, and it is still maintaining decent yeah. numbers. Yeah. Um, so it, it'll be see if it gets anything because I think it's been it's been pretty well received, but yeah, I mean, I, I get quote-unquote why the academy kind of doesn't want to showcase these movies like i don't know i mean we we've mentioned kind of the same three over and over but like the mm-hmm. babadook and it follows and well, well there was also recently the witch <clears throat> yeah the oh the witch yeah i was gonna mention that and then um there was also that one what was it cabin and or what is it it comes at night oh it comes at night yeah and so the one with joel edgerton right? yeah yeah, yeah. um but it, I really wish they would because they're just as, or can be just as artful and creative and um, beautiful to watch as all these other films that do get Oscar nods, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, that's that's my 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 big nitpick is recently the Oscars have been. If you look at everything that gets nominated for Best Picture, it's all dramatizations of historical events. Yeah. Or almost all. I was excited last year when Moonlight got a lot of Oscar buzz for mm-hmm. for big category writing, directing, and Best Picture. Um, picture, right? And it's fictional. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Completely fit. <laughs> How did that happen? What yeah. happened with the who let that in again? The you know, for, yeah. Um, but I mean, if you look at it, it's oh god, I can't remember back all these years, but it Lion, mm-hmm. Wolf of Wall Street, King's Speech, King's Speech. Uh, what was the other one? The Hidden Figures, yeah. Just not to say that these are bad films, although I really did not like the Lion or really did not like Lion. Why is that? I just, I don't know. I mean, it, it felt Oscar baby. I mean, I, I enjoyed it was that. Oscar baby. I yeah. loved the first like forty-five minutes in particular. Yes, I liked, I liked the depiction at the in the first half of the film, and then after that, Dev Patel, great actor, but it's just sort of mopey. Oh, oh, <laughs> he mopes around. Yeah. Oh. Classic mopey Dev. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the first part of the film was interesting, but then the second part of the film, <sighs> I don't know. I mean, it just it just didn't didn't seem quite as strong. It didn't seem like he was really. I don't know. It was. It didn't seem. It's been a while since I've seen it. Obviously, over a year. Uh, but it didn't seem as though he was quite struggling with. With his identity, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he was. If somebody can convince me otherwise, perhaps. But but I mostly just got the the impression that he was just being uh, depressed. Yeah. Not because of identity issues, but. Something else. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I could be well, wrong. Oh, and then Argo was another best picture film. Oh, right. You know, that's another dramatization right. of a real event. Lincoln. So Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I we could just I... keep. We could just keep going here. Yeah. Right. And these are well-made films, but they're not the only films out there. Yeah. And it's. It seems almost. It seems the exception that you get films that are wholly original stories anymore. Mm-hmm. Like Moonlight. Thank God for Moonlight. Yeah. We need more, more, more stories like that. Yeah. And that's the thing is, is horror films could actually provide, because they are, I mean, obviously, well, no, I mean, you do have, what's it, The Conjuring or what The Conjuring? Yeah. It was just sort of like loosely based on this, yeah, reported events of supernatural phenomena. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much sort of unpl- uh, unplumbed depth to horror films, and I think a lot of the a lot of horror films are sort of moving. Again, I'm so happy the movies are moving away from sort of the '80s slasher and then the '90s. What was it? Super gore. Yeah. Uh, was that when the, the Saw films and all the Eli Roth films? Well, those that, or that late was late '90s, early 2000s. 2000s yeah. yeah. So I'm happy that they're moving away from that and they're moving towards more, uh, like mood pieces. Yeah, like it. It comes at night, you know. They're more. They're more atmospheric. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not. You know. Oh, blood and guts and spilling entrails. Or they're more. 
what's around the corner. Yeah. You know, what is reality? What's hiding what's hiding in the shadows? Right. Um which that's a brilliant film. What we do in the shadows? What we do in the oh, shadows. Okay. <laughs> I love that movie. It's awesome. That's <laughs> so bad. Everybody should go watch yeah. what we do in the shadows. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, I think I think it's high time. It's well past time that that you know horror films. And I'm not a, I'm not a big horror fan. And I should go out and start watching some more of these horror films myself. But it's I think it's past time that some of these films you know got their due mm-hmm. for the remarkable pieces of filmmaking that they are. Yeah. Um. But uh, that's to answer the question quickly. That's my take on it. Is that. The Academy looks at things as film as entertainment, visceral, horror films fall into that category, film as art, historical representations, dramatic pieces, you know, things that are more cerebral. And so the those are the films that are more likely to be recognized by the by the Academy. Right. Yeah. Um Yeah, I I think we covered that pretty well. <laughs> Uh, alright, well, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, not much news going on that's really kind of worth people will give a shit about, I think. Um, so, uh, or nothing that would be, make much of a discussion, so. No, I haven't seen too, too much really interesting uh, this week. But yeah, so, hopefully by, by next week we'll have some more stuff going on. It's especially all, with the, the guests who will be here, so. Yeah, um, it's all buzz about Jared Leto. Oh, and I just wanted to say... How dare you make me go back and watch The Counselor right before Blade Runner 2049 comes out? What's that? Because Ridley Scott's one of his more questionable pieces of work, and it's butting up. Well, okay, I guess Blade Runner, he didn't direct this one. No, he's just the producer. He's just producing it. Yeah. Yeah, but still. Sorry. His involvement with it. <laughs> Sorry. God. Did he, who wrote it? Um, he didn't write it either, did he? Mm-mm. No, it was the guy, one of the guys that was involved in writing the original Blade Runner. Actually. Yeah, and then I think one of the guys who wrote Prometheus as well, maybe. Oh, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe, and yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, so sorry, Braden. I've just I fucked up. Curses! I fucked up. Curses! <laughs> um, all right, well, let's move on to some listener questions. We have a couple to get to this week. Um, so the filmbudspodcast at gmail.com is the address that you can reach us. We always love to hear from you, no matter who you are. First time listener or, uh, ex- what do you call it, experienced listener, hardcore listener? The regular? A regular listener. <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't think of any fancy words. Yeah, or... regular listener. Um, and we also are on Twitter and Facebook, so you can email us or uh, message us there with any questions or comments, criticisms, or on iTunes as well. And as always... We encourage you to disagree with us, but if you do, just explain yourself. Don't just, you know, like, I'm just thinking of that guy in the mother yeah. comment. Yeah. Totally uncalled for. Yeah, for sure. But whatever. Yeah. Um, okay, well, the first one is actually kind of pertaining to horror films, actually. Um, so yeah. um says, hello, film buds. This one is from Brandon. Um says, I enjoyed the Soderbergh special, which, for people who don't know, we did a Steven Soderbergh special exclu- exclusive episode a few weeks ago that's on available on Bandcamp, and we covered did five Soderbergh movies, and it's the filmbuds.bandcamp.com, and you can download it there and get five Soderbergh reviews for the price of one, just a dollar. 
Just a download. Yeah, just a download. So somebody has actually listened to that. Mm -hmm. I've been wondering what the... Yeah, we've had some downloads of it. Okay. Not not a ton, but... um, So thank you to the people who have downloaded it. Um, But anyways, so I enjoyed the Soderbergh special, and I was wondering if you had any ideas for future ones or when that would be. For October, maybe a classic Halloween horror special or maybe even a classic sci-fi one in honor of Blade Runner 2049. Either way, thanks for the hours of entertainment, Brandon. What do you think, Brandon? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would do, I mean, I've got any number of things that I would love to do. Yeah. Um, the sci-fi one, I mean, if we could really get back and get into the, some of the old sci-fi, Yeah. go look at, like, Westworld and Logan's Run and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, obviously we could do, you know, more recent stuff as well. Um, I'd say Blade Runner, but I don't want to overdo the Blade Runner thing. Yeah. We could do Alien, too. No. 2001. 2001 Space Odyssey, yeah. yeah. And then if we did Halloween-related, we could do um, Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe Texas Chainsaw or Exorcist or something, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and if anyone else has ideas, please email us and let us know. We'd like to hear from you. But hopefully we might get an, an, another special show maybe in the next Oh, month we could do a memorial of uh, Romero. Oh, yeah. We could do all the uh, Night of Living Dead films. We could do that, totally. Okay, well, that's got some ideas right there, uh, Brandon. So we'll keep you updated. And, again, email us if you have ideas because um, there's plenty of things that we could do, um, just figuring out exactly what is the issue. Um, okay, so this one is from Ethan in Nevada. Um, hope you're nowhere near the uh, yeah. uh, uh, shooting. It's always difficult doing something like this after a horrible event like that because you never know quite how to address that kind of yeah. horror. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, but, yeah, so he says, Hi, uh, with now three Lego movies out and many more to come, what would be your choice of fantasy or pop culture, culture worlds for a Lego film? Like uh, Star Wars, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Marvel, etc. Your pal, Ethan in Nevada. I want to see Glee Lego. (laughs) This breakout song. Well, I guess they kind of do that. They do that anyways, so why not? Glee Um, Lego. There we go. um, I would like to see a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one. That'd be kind of cool. Really? I'd be down for that. Lord of the Rings, also. Well, I mean, didn't they already sort of do a Lord of the Rings thing? Because it wasn't one of the characters basically Gandalf and... well they it's like a super short though oh. and so but if they did a whole world of Lord of the Rings that'd be kind I of I mean cool. they could do Harry Potter Lego because they yeah. already have a whole line of Harry Potter Lego yeah stuff mm-hmm. um, um, Chloe would probably probably love that yeah she would <laughs> of course it, it wouldn't be Daniel Radcliffe unless yeah. he voiced the Harry Potter obviously character, but yeah um but. I don't really need to see any more superhero movies, so I wouldn't choose Marvel no. or anything. Well, actually, Lego does have a whole line of films, not for wider release, but I think straight-to-video films, based on a lot of the Marvel property. They've got a Lego Avengers film. Yeah, which and, and, I've I mean, they did Lego Batman. Netflix. Yeah. Um, but, so I don't need to see any more of those, but maybe Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mad Max Fury Road, maybe? Mad Max Fury Road, Lego. <laughs> That'd be kind of amazing. That would be awesome. 
Why is every all the Lego cars and trucks explode and all the little parts fly everywhere? A good opportunity for some good animation, you know. Some, yeah. So, <clears throat> um, but yeah, so those would be some choices. Um, so who knows? We'll, and again, if you have ideas, let us know. So, <clears throat> um, but I haven't seen the Lego Ninjago, Ninjago movie yet, so I can't really say. It's supposed to be pretty bad. That's what I heard. I've seen some of the cartoons on TV. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kids' fair. Yeah, I, I wasn't crazy about the Batman film, but I didn't really like the first Lego movie. So the Lego movie, the Lego yeah. movie, Lego movie, was spectacular. Yeah. I mean, I loved how they played with sort of fourth wall what is reality, and, you know. But even that aside, the story was fun, and it was just, it was just a blast to watch, mm-hmm. and the voice acting was spectacular. Yeah. Uh, Will Ferrell. God, I wish he would do some more stuff. Mm-hmm. Of course, it seems like all the live-action films he's been doing over the past few years have been atrocious. Garbage, yeah. So what was that? The House. The House. Daddy's Home 2 coming out this November. Yeah. Oh, you want to no, no, review no. that one, Braden? <laughs> Hell no. Let's hope there's something else that we out that oh, week. <laughs> we'll hope. just do a double retro review. Yeah, yeah let's hope. Um, uh... I feel like there's going to be. I was going to mention something else. Shoot, um, about the Lego stuff. Oh, have you seen the trailer for the the Ninjago Ninjago? I've seen uh, the television spots for it. The one the one oh. joke I will say I I laughed at every single time I saw the trailer is the um, Lloyd. Did you Lloyd? Yeah, where his um. I guess the main character's name is Lloyd, mm-hmm. and his father, who's like this evil guy, um, he's like, no, it's pronounced Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a scene near the end where he, the main character wakes up and he looks at his phone, and his father's calling, and it says, like, evil father. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say, even though I probably won't see it in the theater, I did laugh at those jokes. So yeah. it did get me that. Um, but, okay, um... So the final one, um, I guess we got definitely got a bit of a shorter show this week. Yeah. Um, but that's probably a relief to a lot of people out there. So yeah, you know. probably tired of listening to us. Yeah, no Chloe means yeah, no no fun. Half no. half our listeners are gonna drop without yeah. Chloe. So. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So this is Justin from Massachusetts. Says hello, hello. I've recently started listening and have not missed an episode since. Um, I wanted to ask you about a recent news piece. Uh, Jared Leto, uh, or so colon, Jared Leto starring as Hugh Hefner in a movie directed by Brett Ratner. Dot, dot, dot. Could there be anything worse? (laughs) Thanks again, (laughs) Justin. Um, So, yeah, so Jared Leto, who's, he was in, won the Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club, um, or his performance in that, Mm -hmm. and he was in Suicide Squad, and he's going to be in Blade Runner as well. Mm -hmm. He's just recently announced that he's going to be playing Hugh Hefner, the now late Hugh Hefner, who just recently passed a few days ago, um, in a biopic directed by the guy who did um, Hercules, um, X-Men The Last Stand. The Rush Hour films. The Rush Hour films, all brilliant. You know, just uh, just a really solid filmography this guy has. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, For me to boop on. Yeah. Um, Apologies to try for the insult on the dog. It's okay. Um, so it's directed by him. So not the most, I mean, now I love Jared Leto. I liked him in Suicide Squad and I've liked basically all the roles I've seen him in. Um, Dallas Buyers Club. 
I really liked him in Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. You know, but... But this, it just, especially being, now if it was being helmed by, like, Ridley Scott or something, that'd be one thing. Yeah. But it just seems so, like, a bad mishmash of... Different. Where did they dredge him up to do a film about Hugh Hefner? I don't know. Hugh Hefner is... I understand he's a remarkably divisive character. Divisive? Divisive. He says divisive now. I think divisive. Divisive character in American culture. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with having found a Playboy and all the issues with women's rights involved in that... Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, he also did some remarkable... I remember, I, I just... Um, I watched a few months back the Netflix documentary about Nina Simone. Oh, right. What happened to Simone. Mm-hmm. And uh, really fascinating stuff. And she... Uh, one of her first breaks was actually on the old television show, uh, the Playboy... What was it? Playboy Club or the Playboy Channel? Mm. This was back in the 1950s. 50s or 60s hmm. and I just remember uh, Hugh Hefner um, he he at a time when it was still very much controversial he was out there uh, supporting civil rights and giving opportunities to I think uh, uh, to to African American performers singers musicians mm-hmm. uh, and other sort of artists um and so i mean he he was progressive in some sense but then again uh there all the questions wrapped up in playboy as a magazine pertaining to women's rights and women's yeah. um sort of feminist issues and so forth um particularly you know i guess in this in this day and age the sort of the body image issue uh, that has ar- arisen because of uh, Playboy. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, he's a very divisive character, you know, a very interesting character, very divisive. So, I mean, character. it could make for a good biopic. It's just that. It could, but with the guy that they have doing it. I mean, I'm fine with Jared Leto doing it, but it just. Especially well, being. I mean, not, not, not the performances. Oh, the, sorry. So, oh, like the. Jared Leto, I think, could, could do that. Yeah. And if well, he had a good script and a good director, he could pull that off. But just... Well, he is um, going to be starring in an Andy Warhol biopic as well. He's just everywhere. Yeah. Now, like, so. I, I feel like he's he's really taking on a lot more acting roles. I mean, yeah, well, it's interesting because he did Dallas Buyers Club and he had a hiatus. And it yeah. could have been that he just took a hiatus between Dallas Buyers Club and Suicide Squad because of, you know, 30 Seconds to Mars. Yeah. And, I mean, I... 30 Seconds to Mars hasn't... They released a new single recently, but they haven't done much over the last few years. So I think he's really kind of... I don't think he'd ever leave that group, but, I mean, he's been doing a lot of Hollywood... Focusing more on the acting. Yeah, really? seems that way. Or at least for the, in the upcoming years he is, so... Hmm. Um, which, I mean, I love the band, but I do like a lot of his acting roles, so that's... We'll see. I guess he might have to pick one or the other at, at some point, but... Um, but yeah, so we'll, I don't know any when that's going to go into production or who's writing it or or anything like that. So it's pretty still in in early development. But we'll, we'll let you know if there's any big changes to that one. Um, well, I just I just hope approved drawing and that the director actually he gets a good script and does a good job with yeah, it. Yeah. So but, 
could be wrong, but given his previous filmography, I'm not... Unlikely. Yeah, I don't have very high hopes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Dumpster fire. Yeah, dumpster fire of a film. (laughs) Um, All right, well, that's all the mail we got. And again, you know, feel free to email us. The link is in the show notes, um, or the address is in the show notes. So um, feel free. Okay, uh, well, without much else, we can just move on to our picks of the week. Um, and so for, for me, we, I had mentioned it earlier as I always seem to do, but I rewatched the Revenant last night and it's still absolutely amazing. I need to get that on DVD. Yeah. And it, it looks fantastic. Yeah. Like, um, for, I mean, of course this is the scene everyone goes to, but the bear scene is incredible. Yeah. The bear attack is yeah. like one of those brutal visceral, I know sets we're saying visceral, like it's going to be a broken record. It's, it's visceral. yeah. But, um, and just very cinematic, and then DiCaprio is fantastic in the role, mm-hmm. and all the, and so is Tom Hardy. He's he's great. I love Tom Hardy in that. The, yeah, the, the cinematography is beautiful, and um, this the commentary on the environment and climate change and all that is very interesting, and um, even just in how they, the cinematography itself, how that shows nature, mm-hmm. um, and then the score is great. Um, and yeah, it's just very compelling, very moving and poignant, and it's, yeah, it was beautiful to watch. I yeah. mean, I just loved all the long, lingering shots Same. of sort of open vistas. Yeah, well, there's that uh, the mountain, the snow-covered mountains. Well, there's that one long shot at the beginning with the action sequence, which is amazing. Which is, yeah, that's I was just thinking about that actually. Yeah, which that that's spectacular. We've got sort of the roving camera moving through this whole battlefield. Yeah. And it's just it's just really remarkable. I yeah. mean, the camera work, but I mean, it's Inaritu, right? Yeah. And so you go watch Birdman, and Birdman is, oh, yeah, it's, it's great. such an amazing film. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Um, and I mean, The Revenant was up there. I still, I'm still a Birdman junkie. I still have to say, I prefer Birdman to to The Revenant. But The Revenant was just so beautiful mm-hmm. in the shots, the exterior shots. Well, and most of the film was exterior shots, but uh, I mean, all the long lingering shots of, of the pine forests, the long lingering shots of the snow covered mountains, beautiful, just mm-hmm. absolutely stunningly beautiful. Yeah. So again, that's go watch some damn movies in the theaters. Yeah, it was a. I, I got to see that with a full theater. That was really intense. Really? Yeah. I was the only person in there really? that I saw it. Yeah. yeah, I think I saw it opening night, and so I... Yeah, well, I um, saw it about two or three weeks after. Uh, yeah. Out, but... Um, but yeah, so that was great, great seeing that in the theater. So if you haven't seen The Revenant, check it out. It's awesome. Um, Brandon, what about you? <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm continuing my, my streak of actually watching films in theaters. Oh. Uh, so I saw... Uh, both Columbus and Stronger since the last podcast. Um, absolutely spectacular, both for very different reasons. Um, Columbus was just a beautiful, sort of slow, um, elegiac film. Mm-hmm. Just just absolutely wonderful to watch. John Cho blew me away. I've always liked John Cho, but then seeing him in this role, uh, he brought a certain sort of gravitas to it and I forget the the young woman that they have who plays opposite him I'll have to look that up shortly but um she's also I think this might be the first film that she's done feature film that she's done hmm. she's just amazing hmm. 
and the the chemistry between the two of them and Parker Posey's in it and I've always loved Parker Posey just everything she's ever done um, so it was uh, it was an absolutely beautiful beautiful film to watch <laughs> and you know for those of you not familiar with it, it takes place in Columbus Indiana which is sort of a mecca for uh, modernist architecture and so it's got all these beautiful shots of, of uh, you know, John Cho, this young woman, uh, sort of hanging out in front of these very distinct-looking buildings. And uh, obviously, you know, a lot of conversation about architectural philosophy and so forth, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> but uh, the focus of the film is the relationship, this sort of odd friendship between John Cho, who's this older fellow whose father is... is, is fallen into i think a coma or something like that in columbus uh indiana and this young woman who sort of lives there a very promising um potential architect but stays there in order to take care of her mother who has been struggling you know drug abuse issues and so forth and, um so it's it's a beautiful film and i also saw stronger um which is about Jeff Bauman, who's a survivor of the Boston Marathon bombings from, mm -hmm. what, two, three years back. Um, and he lost his legs and the struggle that he had with that. And it's it's a wonderful film. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't sure what to think going into it. And I thought, oh, it could be sort of um, overly... Sentimental. Overly sort of <clears throat> sentimental claptrap, but it, it's not. I mean, you really see how this guy struggled, not only with the loss of legs, but with this this symbolism, which is all of a sudden sort of attributed or affixed to him. Mm -hmm. um, and he's hesitant to become this symbol of, of strength, and he doesn't he doesn't feel strong. He doesn't want to, you know, he's hesitant to take up this mantle. Yeah. Um, and all of the, the stress, all of the anxiety, all of the anger and frustration and so forth that goes along with it. And it's really spectacular. And I really feel Jake Gyllenhaal playing Jeff Bauman should get a, an Oscar nomination for it. Mm -hmm. he's, he's so good. Yeah. He's so good. Mm -hmm. um, if he doesn't get at least an Oscar nomination, I'll be... Matt. I'll be, I'll be upset. You will be irate and you will come on I'll the show. I will be irate. And come on the show and rant. And rant. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm known for. I'm the ranting guy. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, but yeah, both of those films were really good. And other than that, not much going on. Yeah. What? TV season started to pick back. Blacklist is back. <laughs> oh, really? I haven't seen any of that. Oh, I love the Blacklist. Really? James Spader's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, well, I do want to see both of those films, um, particularly stronger. So, um, And both of those should still be in theaters, at least in, in limited. Or for a limited amount of time, I think. Yeah. Um, it saddens me. Absolutely <clears throat> nobody's been coming to see Stronger at the Chelsea. Mm. And that just, it breaks my heart because it's such a good film and because more people should be coming to the theater anyways. Yeah. Movies. But then, uh, what's that one? Victoria and Abdul? Uh, that's, is that, that's probably going to do so many big numbers. Probably. Yeah. At the Chelsea, at least. Judy Dench is just going to bring those yeah. people in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yep. Um, you know, hopefully business will pick back up, you know. I come, so. come, come Oscar season, so. All right. Uh, well, um, not much else to say for this this show. Um, 
like I said, <clears throat> next week we're gonna be doing Blade Runner. Brandon, unless you want to do Lego. Ninja. Oh, let's do Ninjago instead. <laughs> let's do Ninjago. Yeah. So let's go completely opposite route of what everybody's expecting us to do. Yeah. Now. Fuck, fuck Blade Runner. <laughs> Don't need it. Let's just get so much, so much angry, confused mail. Yeah. Why aren't you doing Blade Runner? Oh, great. Never done talking about Blade Runner. Yeah. Why aren't you going to Blade Runner? Um, so we'll definitely be doing that. Not sure about the retro review. Maybe there'll be another new release that we could talk about too. I don't know. Um, along with it, but um, and Chloe should be back um, if the world is kind. She she'll be back um, and maybe have one or two get guests on who are big Blade Runner heads, um, like Braden. So um, I'm a pretty big one. Yeah, me too. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the movie. So it's it's gonna be intense. Um, but all right, well, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, and until next time, we'll see you later.